Welcome back to the With Joe Eby podcast, continuing on with the great Tim Ferriss. We're a couple of days in, if you haven't caught these the previous episodes. Luke, going through his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, I'm curious, do you have top of mind any change, if you could change one thing or add one thing to the book yourself? Mm. You've got Tim Ferriss powers for a day. There's a lot of power for one Luke Ooh. to wield. I can't is there of, is there one thing? Is there a section? Is there an idea you'd foreground more? Is there something you'd cut out? That's a good question. It's a little bit. I might have to do the Charlie Munger because I can't. <laughs> can't think of anything. Off no, the top no. Of my head. We we have established you're allowed to do the Charlie Munger. You were yeah. well within your rights. Yeah. You've I got pass. um. They, the the question. Charlie Munger credits redeem every ten episodes for Luke. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. <laughs> so, so that's you, you got ten episodes of you have to answer every question. Focus of this episode is actually a blog post and podcast episode he did being a very important lesson for an early career person today around changes he'd make. The book is phenomenal. It has the classic problem. We talked about this with Naval's How to Get Rich, where there's a bit of a misinterpretation or perhaps the title especially sends the wrong message that the goal is to have not just like kind of automate your income and then have nothing to do with your life and sit on sit on a beach and mm. contribute nothing to the world. And ultimately that would not probably be, probably not be that enjoyable for most people anyway, that sort of life. And so it creates this kind of critique he's had. Sometimes he's gotten bashed for the four hour thing. Obviously when you're, you know, you're young, motivated, hungry, trying to break through, you are looking for like, how do I get people's attention? How do I hook them enough to buy the book? So it's just like a, it's a product of that. And he did a very in-depth, you know, kind of deconstruction about how he would actually change it today. I should, should have a link to that in the actual podcast notes or the YouTube notes if you're on YouTube. But yeah, he, he initialed, so it's fascinating. He struggled writing it because initially the book, he was sounding too broad. Then he picked up that he had the habit of trying to sound too smart, which he think he got from college. And then as the journey of writing this book, I think he realized that if you focus on principles and fundamentals, you can figure out the tools and strategies. Hmm. I think it's a very powerful line. If you focus on principles and fundamentals, you can figure out the tools and strategies. So the book has a lot of tactics. And I think if people go implement the tactics, as is the case with anything, without understanding fundamentals, you pretty much always get it wrong. He goes, there are parts of it that make me cringe a little bit. Not that I regret having written it the way I wrote it, but the 29-year-old Tim Ferriss felt like he had a lot to prove and he did have a lot to prove. In writing the book, also in writing for my two friends, I was very much myself at the time and myself at the time had a bit of chest puffing and was very hyper-aggressive. So I think he gives off a bit of like a hustler, almost like a Gary Vee type kind of energy at this time. Uh, I would expand a section that I think gets overlooked a lot. There is a section or chapter called Filling the Void, and it's a really, really important chapter that most people don't pay much attention to, which is basically about once you've created all this space in your life, what do you do? What is this leftover time for? Which is kind of, it's my criticism, I think, of the, the modern version of week in a way is the whole FIRE movement. FIRE stands for financially independent, retire early. I think it's kind of like the dumbest thing I've ever heard because it just replaces, it just accelerates the problem. A lot of people have, and I've heard this firsthand, people who retire, who it's meant to be this holiday, you're free from work, yet what it actually is is like a massive painful like feeling of irrelevance. 
and a sense that you're waiting for death for a lot of people, which is fucking scary. Like, and I think it's, you've haven't maybe defined work in the right way. It's probably been the real mistake, not work as this pain you had to endure or this labor. Uh, so I think that if you view any sort of income goal as freeing you up from having to work, I think it's also, I think he talks about feeling the void, right? Mm. Ideally, first you have the clarity around what you want to replace your time doing. And in the previous episodes, he talked about mini retirements so you can actually test if you like it. Not sitting there thinking, I'd love to run my own business one day or I'd love to travel more for a couple. How could you actually test that sooner? doesn't have to be tomorrow. Maybe it's in a, like that's completely fine. doesn't have to be drop everything. So I think he says people complain, but they haven't read the book very specifically or they've missed that chapter. And he says that chapter is a lot about contribution and getting outside of a me, me, me focus so that you're hopefully putting a positive dent in the world in a way that certainly extends outside of yourself and your immediate family, but also hopefully has some type of persistence over time so that you leave I hesitate to use the word because it's so loaded and has some baggage, a legacy of some type. Mm-hmm. Powerful words. And this this part in particular, so if anyone, I, I think this episode is for the people who think about retirement or there's a future point where work and stuff's going to be easier and you're hustling harder or, or putting your head through. You're going through stuff now so you can relax later. Just pause and listen to this. It's very rare that you find someone who's been in sixth gear for a very long time who then retires and is really good at chilling the fuck out. It's not common. And then the rest of this basically talks about relaxation as a skill, which I needed when at the time I was reading over this. It was kind of like, I'll do this and then I'll get back to the things that I want to spend most of my time doing, even though I do self-directed work. It's very powerful. Like he's done things... He's moved away from New York. So he's kind of uncoiled from the hustler kind of lifestyle a bit. And like he's moved from New York, I think, to Austin in Texas, which is a bit more chill. Recommends having some sort of physical goal-based activities in your life. Maybe running Luke, hashtag Mm. with the Chiefs, Luke's podcast. Maybe we'll guide you people on that. It's a pretty common one for high achievers. They often like running. And then he also talks about the importance of stoicism again, which we know him and his friend Ryan Holiday are very big on stoicism. So that's, that's kind of like him reflecting on the book 10 years later. Those are direct quotes from him. And I would use that if you're a young person like us. We're still young, right, Luke? Mm, just. <laughs> just. I would use that as a – the opportunity of our generation is to accelerate the things that people like Tim Ferriss discovered at the age of like 40 and 45 that a lot of people the generation before realized that 60 – or 70 or didn't realize at all. And some people born today will never realize still because they live a script of the the 20th century, but it's the time is now in every sense. There are very few real compromises you should be making. I believe, I genuinely believe that. I don't really get, so the previous, that sort of new tactic people are using to save, what was it, Joe? Fire movement. Yeah. Financially how's that, independent, retire early. How's yeah. that any different to working 
20, 30 years and then retiring, for example? It moves it forward. Okay, so it's okay. So it just moves <laughs> it's, it's it like trying. I don't think it's terribly new. Yet people jump on this. There's whole communities dedicated to it. There's people who teach you how to do it and all this stuff. I don't really get it. And I think those people maybe don't understand that, you know, when you, you're still, you're not replacing, you're, you're replacing, you're solving a problem with a problem. It just sounds good and it feels exciting. And you're probably flooding your mind with a lot of dopamine, but dopamine is like a pleasure. It's kind of like a pleasure-based brain experience. It's, it's not like, okay, Tim Ferriss, don't listen to what, like, don't take away the four. Look at Tim Ferriss now. He still does his podcast, right? He's still, he's behind calls. He gets behind research into psychedelics. He's been open about his experience with sexual abuse and has put out resources to help people who've been through something similar. And I think given them a lot of courage, you know, he, he mainly lives a life of contribution. Cause you look at, you look at all these people that quote unquote retire or you can't really call it retire the financial what's free retirement it's you still got to feel your what's time. retirement so i'll go to gilly again so for context people don't know who gilly is is our 74 year old friend good good our dumbledore and the constant student a man who doesn't seek you won't be able to google him and find much of his own writing and shared thoughts but we're privileged to get and what he says to me about his retirement is like he hasn't really retired. He stepped down from being part managing partner at a law firm where I think he worked for like fifty years, mm. and he did all these other things right in and around that. But you know, since then he's done a lot of teaching work, and he obviously has helped us a lot. He helped us a lot. Nick Abraham, Scott, and myself with from the ground up. He was a major driver. He's got a lot of causes he cares about. He helps out with concert student. He jumps on calls with young people. He mentors young people all over the world. And he shares his wisdom, shares a life worth of wisdom. He goes, the people who are my friends who are retiring and suffering from this perceived uselessness from society are suffering. And he goes, and I can't communicate to them how much demand there is for their wisdom and their time and their experience. And that's the retirement dream. We're talking about some of the like financially most well-off people. So money's not a problem for them. They've had the most distinguished in you know inverted commas careers in terms of they had very prestigious roles a lot of responsibility a lot of leadership a lot of milestones i'm sure and they're in their late 60s or early 70s and facing a challenge and because they're so conditioned to just have expected this whole time to just transition now and be fulfilled by whatever it is maybe playing golf all day and you know, I, I look at myself and I think mainly I retired at the age of 24 when I decided I was going to stop making excuses for not enjoying what I did to get an income into my account and, and make sure I had enough whatever to spend. And, you know, I've gone back and forth, but there's not really many excuses. Like the, it's the Alan Watts again. It's the idea that it's coming and that you're working towards this retirement thing. And you see it, you just take your pick. It's in every person who actually gives an honest account of their life, like Tim Ferriss, that it's just not, I mean, like what you have to do something. You can't do nothing. By definition, you can't do nothing. Sitting on the couch all day watching sitcoms 
is by definition some if it's golf and you love golf then so be it or if it's traveling you know i think and that's the four-hour work week idea is why wait to travel right you wouldn't you want to do that when you are young and can go do more and have more freedom so that is the fascinating kind of maybe different way of thinking and then that's just how that's how he would change it Mm, emphasis on that so is it fair to say a lot of people that focus on retirement and sort of i will achieve this in the future are really just seeking to do something they actually enjoy potentially in the in the in the meantime well i think there's often fear and often the excitement you know it's better in anticipation it's easier to think about something you might do before actually taking or you have this your your condition to believe you know, Alan Watts preparation for something that will never come. You're conditioned to believe that you got to prepare or you're not ready for it yet or something like that. Mm. Treat life like it's negotiable <laughs> is the is the wrap up for today's episode. Just treat life like everything is, is negotiable because no one's going to negotiate it for you. No one's going to negotiate it for you. All right, well, Luke, we've got two more episodes on Tim Ferriss. So we'll complete another one tomorrow on well we're going to keep going with this bigger theme and tomorrow i want to unpack how he's fully evolved since the four-hour work week which i think is interesting very much an extension of today and just remember if you want more information or you want the newsletter which summarizes the, the biggest five points for the last week's worth of podcast episodes just to sign up for that in the bio or the description at the doorman at the link everything joe see you again tomorrow